Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Christ is risen. Christ has risen. He is truly... <clears throat> Clear my throat out. Christ is truly risen and everything has changed. Everything has changed. So this morning, a question for you, because I like opening with questions sometimes. A question for you is, what is something that has changed your life? Now, don't give me the easy answer and say Easter. I mean, that's kind of a given. Something that has changed your life. Would you ponder that for just a moment? I'll give you something that has changed my life. Shoes. I, you could like, shoes, yeah, you know, it's not that I grew up barefoot without any shoes. I did as a boy in Arizona run around barefoot, but I, I just did that because, well, maybe I was a boy, and it was just fun, and it was easier to scammer, scammer, climb up trees, you know, with bare feet than it was with shoes, and go dangling off the trees and things like that, or running around and chase the dog with bare feet, running around and chase the mailman because I forgot to put the mail in the we had a mailbox by our door, you know, in the mail so that it would go out. And when I forgot and the mailman I heard him drive by, I chased after him on bare feet on the hot cement and got blisters on my feet by the time I got back home. Well, that's not why I appreciate shoes. <laughs> Though that would have been a good time to put shoes on. I, you know, I, 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 shoes changed my life a number of years ago because, you know, I, I, sometimes I am cheap. I mean, I am frugal. I am, I am cheap, and sometimes just because there just wasn't a lot of money as, as a young pastor. And so as a young pastor, I would get the cheapest shoes that I could get, and they usually meant going to pay the shoe store. Some of you are like, yep. You know, and, and they had great shoes. I'm sad in many ways they are gone, but the dress shoes that I would wear for years were from pay the shoe store. And if you know anything about cheap shoes is they're not always the most comfortable or supportive. So on a Sunday morning especially, when I'm standing on my feet, sometimes for like 12 hours in these cheap shoes without any support, by the time you get home, you think, I'm only in my 30s and everything hurts. Ow! And it was my older brother who said, you know, what you need is another pair of shoes. Just let me tell you. And I'm like, I can't afford shoes like that. One day he was staying with us. He moved to Omaha. He was living in our basement for a while. We're out doing some shopping. He's like, let's get you some shoes. I said, I don't have the money to get some shoes like you get. And he says, well, I'll help you out. He said, I'll, I'll cover whatever you can cover. And, and we went, and we went to the clearance rack. But we bought some nice shoes. And I wore those the next Sunday. He laced those up. I thought this is not going to be that big of a difference. Oh, man. I feel like I was young again. It didn't hurt like it used to hurt. I mean, I wasn't tired when I got home. I'm like, wow, a nice pair of shoes when you have to stand on your feet for hours and hours and hours? That's something that just changed my life. I could tell you what. I didn't want to buy a pair of cheap shoes again. These are not the kind of shoes I'd wear for Sunday morning. Same thing with running. When I first picked up running, you know, I went running with cheap shoes because I figured, and guess where I got them from? Big the shoe store. And I went running. I'm like, I'm going to make sure I commit to this before I buy some real running shoes. Well, you know, if my body could have made it for about one or two more runs, I'd have been okay. But suddenly my feet started hurting. I went to see the doctor, and she said, what are you doing? I'm running. She said, what kind of shoes do you have? 
I'm like, sheep running shoes from Paley's shoe store. She's like, go buy some real shoes and don't run for a little while. <laughs> and so I went and bought some real running shoes. You know what? That makes a big difference. It changes life. What is something that has changed your life? You know, sometimes we experience things that change our lives in small ways. Sometimes they are profound. Sometimes they change our lives for the better. Sometimes they change our lives for the worse. Sometimes it just changes life. I mean, we've all been through a change over the last two years. We've all experienced in different ways through this whole phase of COVID. Sometimes things happen in life that just changes life. It had been a 10-year dream for Don Bennett. A 10-year dream. There's this vision that he had of climbing this 14,410-foot mountain called Mount Rainier. Anyone ever climbed Mount Rainier before? Good, I'm not alone. I've climbed mountains, but not something that's 14,410 feet that on a clear day can be seen from 300 miles away. It's in, you know, Washington. You can see it from as far as away. It's like, you know, Corvallis and in Portland. You can see it in British Columbia. This thing has got like 26 glaciers on it. And here's Don Bennett looking up at this mountain that he's about to ascend to. He had climbed it 10 years ago. And now he's here again to climb this mountain. And he straps the boot onto his left foot. And then he picks up these crutches, these specially made crutches, so that he can make his way to the top. So shortly after, a few years after, he had climbed Mount Rainier the first time. The first time that he made that 14,410-foot climb, he was in a boating accident and lost a portion of his right leg. So now, with the boot on the left foot and crutches, he makes his way to the top. And when he gets to the top of Mount Rainier, and they ask him, how'd you do it, Don? And his immediate response was, one hop at a time. One hop at a time. I mean, why? I don't know. And here's this white-haired, 53-year-old guy, you know, hopping his way up the mountain, 14,410 foot, just something that seems just phenomenal, something that could have changed his life, and it did change his life, but how he also responded to that change and accepted a challenge they had before. Sometimes we experience something in our life that changes our lives. Sometimes it's for the best, and sometimes it's for the worst, and sometimes it's just change. It was later the same day. Later the same day, and these group of Jesus followers, the ten disciples were there and the others that were with them. They're all locked behind closed doors because they are terrified. They are uncertain. Things have changed their lives. Jesus had died a few days earlier. And then earlier that day, these women came back from the tomb with this crazy story that Jesus was alive. And they're just trying to process everything that's been going on. Try to think through what this means. And then suddenly, suddenly, there's no knocking on the door. Jesus is right there in their midst. Jesus is there with them, and he invites them, go ahead and touch me. Feel, you know, my wounds. See that it's really me, that I am really alive. I am living flesh 
and blood. I am risen. You know, I kind of wonder what that's like. I mean, I don't know if, if I were there, if I'd have been like, ooh, ooh, I want to touch, I want to touch, I want to touch. Or if I'd have been, you know, in the back saying, uh, you, you touch him first. You make sure he's alive, and then once you, like, your hand doesn't pass through him, then I'll go up and touch him. I don't know. And it, it just, wow. Jesus shows himself to be the living, risen Savior. And then he gets so close to them, not only can they touch him, they can feel his breath, and he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit, and he says, as you forgive sins, those sins are forgiven. As you, you know, hold on to, or you don't forgive sins, they are not forgiven. So a promise that, that they have the power to bring the gospel, to speak the gospel, to speak God's good news of his love and forgiveness into the lives of people. And of course, it says Thomas was not with them. And this is a gospel encounter that many of us have heard before. If you've been part of the church for a long time, you know this is part of the Easter story. Thomas is not there. We don't know why Thomas is not there. We don't get that little detail. Sometimes we get some fun little details of Scripture we don't hear. Maybe he had to go for a run with a good pair of running shoes. No, not, nothing from Pale Shoe Store. Um, you know, just to clear his mind. You know, for those of you who love to run, that is something sometimes it, it, it does. It just kind of clears your head. For others of you who say no, that would just, no, I'm not going to do it. You know, or maybe he was the one that got the short end of the stick. Like, oh, you got to go out, Thomas. We're all terrified, but you're the one that gets to go find food. Go now. We're hungry. Whatever the reason is, Thomas was not there. And so, you know, what? imagine when he gets back into the room, they're all excited. And he's thinking, you're all crazy. There is no way he's alive. I'm not going to believe what you say until I get to touch him, until I see him face to face. And then eight days later, again, you know, even though the women had come back from the tomb and they're like, Jesus is alive. And then, you know, they're terrified and the doors are locked and yet Jesus appears and they get to touch him and feel him. They're still, you know, still behind locked doors. And Jesus shows up again. And this time he comes and he speaks to Thomas. I just imagine he comes right up to Thomas. He's like, Thomas, go ahead. Touch my wounds, my hands, my side. See, believe, know that it's really me. And Thomas just, he does just that. He reaches out. And, you know, I don't know if he does it without, with hesitation. He just grabs him and grabs Jesus, whether he embraces him and, and hugs him and, and, and pokes his side. But he's like, my Lord, my God. This profound statement of faith, like, it really is you. These people are not crazy. You are alive. A moment that changes everything. A moment that changed Thomas's life forever. And then Jesus says to Thomas these words here, and let's read these words together. Jesus said to Thomas, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who haven't seen me, but believe. Blessed are those who haven't seen me, but believe. 
And from here we know that it's a number of more days that Jesus continues to show himself to be a living Savior to more people. And eventually he's going to send his followers out into the world. They're going to start there in Jerusalem, and they're going to spread throughout the world. This message of hope, of God's presence, of God's love, of his forgiveness. To the very ends of the earth, Jesus will send his followers. And that, that's us today. I mean, this is, this is us. We're a part of this encounter with Jesus. This gospel moment here. Jesus is speaking of you and me, all of us gathered here, all of those who will be followers of Jesus in the years and the decades to come. And though we haven't seen him, though we haven't reached out and touched his hands and his side, we believe. And what does that believing mean? That mean, believing means that we too receive that forgiveness. We too receive his promise of his presence. That means we too are part of the vision that he has for his church. And think about this, kind of like, you know, Mount Rainier. You know, Mount Rainier, again, is 300 miles away. You could see that on a clear day. It's a beautiful sight, having lived in the Northwest for a number of years. And something so far away that God promised Adam and Eve that the Savior would come. That through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets who saw glimpses from a distance what was going to happen. And even to those who walked with Jesus, the disciples and all those others gathered around who didn't fully understand until after Jesus' resurrection and the Holy Spirit really opened their minds to the Scriptures that they understood who He was and what He was about. And that same call is for us. We here at Holy Savior, we, we, we say we are moving towards being a people who are growing in Jesus and sharing His love. Growing in Jesus and sharing his love. In many ways, just like the early followers of Jesus did. They were growing in Jesus. One of the first ways they grew in Jesus after a post-resurrection is they got to go out and touch him. They also, even as he ascended in heaven, they gathered together and they grew together. And they shared his love with one another. As they supported and cared for, they brought their resources together to help support one another. But also as they began going out into their communities. One of the things early Christians were known for was for taking care of those people. Sorry, I'm not pointing to anyone in particular. But those kind of people, the people that in, in, the, in the early first century society said they're not worthy of being cared for. If they don't have family or friends to care for, if they're not high on the societal ladder, they're not worthy of being cared for. The people who are poor, who are sick, who are diseased. And yet these early Christians began living out what it means to share Jesus' love. So we talk about doing that here in the 21st century about growing in Jesus and sharing his love. We do that as we gather, grow, and go. Much like the early gathering of Christians did, they gathered together around God's word, around the teachings of the apostles. And they gathered together in fellowship, in love. And they grew together as they studied God's word. They grew together in relationship to one another. And they also went out. So the question for us is this question here. What does growing in Jesus and sharing his love look like for us? Well, there's a number of ways we've said this. We're going to run through these. I'm going to invite you to read these sentences with me. Is we talk about first, let's read this together. We gather to cultivate authentic relationships. Authentic, real relationships. 
Part of the idea of having time with coffee and donuts is not because donuts are yummy. Mm. I'd rather have coffee. I don't eat donuts. But I have coffee I drink all the time. But that we have time to cultivate authentic relationships, not just, you know, before or after worship, but as we serve together, as we live together, as we live life together. Authentic, real relationships. But says, you know what, I'm okay because I'm not the only one who struggles in life. I know that everyone here struggles. I know that everyone, just like me, is a forgiven child of God. We gather to cultivate authentic relationships. We also, let's read this together, we create a safe place where we can grow together as a person. So a safe place where we don't have to be perfect. That's one of the things I think sometimes as Christian churches we do. We, we, we create an atmosphere where we think we have to be perfect. I don't know about you, but I gathered here before you this morning, with you this morning, and I am not perfect. I have my struggles, my hurts, my doubts, my frustrations, my sins. But we gather here to have a place where we can grow together. A safe place for us to grow together, to explore the depths of our faith and the relationship we have with Jesus. And then also we go. Let's read this together. We go and make a difference in the lives of people within our community and the world. We go to make a difference. So the early Christians did this. They, they did this by caring for those who had no one else to care for them. They cared for those whose society said they had no value whatsoever. And that made society take a look and say, why would you do that? And the early Christians say, well, because that's who God is. God is a God who loves and cares so much that he sent his son Jesus. We believe this. And because we believe this, it shapes how we live in relationship to others. Growing in Jesus and sharing his love. That's what we're all about. Now, are we there yet? Are we exactly where we want to be? No. Are we going to get there? Yes and no. Oh, there's that, there's that for an answer. We're going to get there. Yes, we're going to get there. You know, we're going to get there kind of like Don Bennett, you know, one hop, one step at a time. In some ways, that vision of growing in Jesus and sharing his love and really growing in our faith and, and seeing our congregation, you know, grow and, and, and make a difference in the lives of our community. In some ways, it seems like a 14,410-foot mountain before us, especially after COVID and, and, and culture is changing all around us. But you know, one of the other things Don Bennett said, I think, was just phenomenal. He was asked, you know, you know how did you do it? How, how, did you, how did you make this happen? And he said, teamwork. I didn't do it alone. Don Bennett knew that not only did he have to, you know, take one hop, you know, to get up there. And actually, I think part of it, he actually even crawled part of his way up there. But that he did it together with others. And so together we will do this together. We will create a place where people have the opportunity to grow in Jesus. They have the opportunity to learn from God, from his word. They have the opportunity to have dependence on God and have that relationship with God in prayer. They have the opportunity to respond to God in worship like we gather here this morning. The opportunity for living a life of self-sacrifice as our God sacrificed his son Jesus. So we learn to be sacrificing of ourselves in service to our God and one another. That we relate to one another like our God relates to us with grace, love, and mercy. That we become a witness. We witness to God's change, his love, his change in our lives.
that we have the opportunity, we give the opportunity for people to gather, to grow, and to go. And whether that going is working with some of our local schools, the refugees, Matt Talbot Kitchen, whether it's going to somewhere like Poland or even becoming an extended missionary like Chelsea started out with doing and serving as a geo-missionary, we have the opportunities to gather, grow, and go together. And we do it. One hop, one step, one event, one moment, one life at a time. One life at a time, changed by the good news of Jesus Christ, of his death and his resurrection. Christ is risen. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God bless.